What's up, everybody? Welcome to Good Wolf Radio. It's Jerry Scarlato. Today, we have a fact or fiction episode. In case you have not listened to a fact or fiction episode yet, this is when we take a idea that is out in society or something that an article that's popular in society or a behavior that a lot of people are partaking in that they believe is helping them or not helping them. And we ask the question, is it a fact or is it fiction? Today's episode is about sitting. Is it a fact or fiction that sitting is killing your kids and you, for that matter, is the question that we're going to answer today. Now, this is a very important question, and this is something that I talk about a lot because it is so prevalent. The average person in westernized society sits between 8 to 10 hours a day, and it's creeping up above 8 to 10 hours a day, which is absolutely insane considering the average person is only awake for like 14 hours a day. Nonetheless, because of that, we're, we are only at the very beginning, I believe, of a lot of the diseases that, we're going to, that are going to exacerbate our current healthcare status. We've seen already the development of a ton of physiological diseases, and diseases of metabolism, such as diabetes, hypertension, insulin sensitivity issues, and so on and so forth. Lots of that, of course, that is very prevalent right now. I don't say that like, oh, of course it is. But like, I think we all understand that that's very prevalent. And that's a big thing that our society, by and large, is working to overcome. Sometimes ineffectively, but nonetheless, we are moving in a direction. On the other end of that, which we have not seen the ramifications of yet, are musculoskeletal issues. I think we were only at the very beginning of musculoskeletal issues and the development of those because of the sitting that we're going into. Now, that's not going to be the primary conversation that we're going to have today, but I think it's worth bringing up because the body is a whole. The body is a system. And when one system starts to shut down, it will start to impact multiple systems on top of that. Your muscles, for instance, are not only muscles. They're not only there to look good. They're not only there to flex. They're not only there to look in the mirror so you can snap a selfie. They are there to help your heart pump. They are there to help fluids flow. They are there to help your metabolism. They are the biggest part of your metabolism when it comes to resting metabolic rate. In other words, the energy that you expend at rest your muscles are, they make up a gigantic portion of that. In other words, your muscles burn calories when you're sitting there. They are active. They, are, they need energy in order, to, uh, in order to survive, if you will, um, in order to do the processes that they need to do. So muscles are more than just made for the mirror. They are made for the health of your body. So when you don't use them, not only do you lose the function of your muscles, you also start to lose the function of other parts of your body as well. And that's why this is so important. And that's why understanding how sitting is impacting your health and in this conversation, your kid's health is so important because your kid's health, let me stop before I say that, (laughs) everyone's health is very important. Everyone's health is very important, but you have to understand that if you have a prepubescent child and they're developing and they're sitting a lot, their development is going to be issue and it's going to, going to be 
what did I just say? Going to be an issue. They're good. That's not what I meant to say. Their development is going to be, um, I don't know what word I was looking for there. Now I'm drawing a blank. But nonetheless, their development is going to be off. It's not going to be normal. And so because of that, it's going to have an impact on how they are as young adults and adults in general. And so knowing that and understanding that and hopefully changing that behavior to some degree is imperative for their long-term term health. Also important for your long-term health, whether you're 20, 25, 45, 75, or so forth. Also very important because a sedentary lifestyle is a sickly lifestyle. And that has been proven over the last couple of decades over and over again. So today, the what sparked my interest in sitting and if and how much it is impacting your children, I can't say our children because I don't have any children, um, was a study, of course. That's how a lot of these factor fictions are kind of prompted because I'll be searching through studies and I'll find one and I'll go, well, that's very interesting. And so here we are. So the study is actually a portion of another study. The big study that this study is a portion of is called the Children of the 90s Study. This is facilitated by the University of Bristol in the United Kingdom. So the Children of the 90s Study, which I am a big fan of. I was not born in the 90s, but I am a child of the 90s because I lived through the 90s. But that's a whole nother conversation. Maybe we'll just do a whole nother fact or fiction for that alone. Like, was the 90s the best decade ever? i just go ahead and say that's a fact. Nonetheless, well, <laughs> side tangent there. Um, I can't imagine that anybody lived, who lived through any other decade would argue any differently. Um, so these kids were born in either 1990 or 1991, I believe, and then they were tracked for 25 years. This particular portion of that kids of the 90s study was a 13-year portion of it from, I believe, 2001, uh, wait, 2002 maybe, to 2015, something to that effect. So in this portion of the children of the 90s study, so the children of the 90s study was like 14,000 kids. It was a lot, of, a lot of kids that were tracked over a 25-year time frame. But this portion was only 766 kids. So still a lot, but not the whole cohort of 14,000. So what they did with this 766 children was at age 11, they put an accelerometer on them. You'll have to excuse our phone ringing right now if you can hear that in the background. But they put an accelerometer on them for those of you who don't make the connection. An accelerometer is just a step counter. That's what they were called back in the day. Now we just have watches that we call watches that count and track steps. It's the same thing. Nonetheless, they put an accelerometer on them for seven days at age 11, and then again at age 15, and then again at age 24. And what they were trying to do was see how much time they spent sedentary. In other words, how much time they spent not moving around and staying still outside of sleep, which is an important caveat. What they also did was measured, and I'll tell you why this is important in a second, so stick with me. They measured the mass of the left ventricle of the heart at age 17 and age 24. 
So first, they measured sedentary time at ages 11, 15, and 24 with an accelerometer, a step counter, and they also measured the mass of the left ventricle of the heart at age 17 and 24. I don't know why they chose to do the measurements of the heart at a different time. I have no clue, but that's what happened. So the reason that that measurement is important is because left ventricle mass and left ventricle hypertrophy, which, well, I'll get to that in a second, but left ventricle mass and the hypertrophy or the growth of the left ventricle is associated with heart disease, stroke, and all-cause mortality, the increase of heart disease, stroke, and all-cause mortality. That's why this is important. That's why knowing if the mass of the left ventricle of the heart, which pumps blood to the whole body, whereas the right ventricle pumps blood to just the lungs, the left ventricle pumps blood to the lungs and the whole body are both very important, by the way, so I'm not downplaying either one, just pointing out the distinction between the two. The left ventricle pumps blood to the whole body. The right ventricle pumps blood to just the lungs. That's how important our lungs are. But nonetheless, if the left ventricle of the heart is, if the mass is bigger than usual or it develops and the hypertrophy of it, in other words, it grows faster than usual, that is associated with a higher risk of heart disease, stroke, and all-cause mortality. That's why this is important. Okay. So without getting into numbers, which to be totally honest, I did not understand. I mean, I understood them enough just by looking at them because I can see a small number and a big number and understand that the big number is bigger than the small number. <laughs> but, but squares and this, that, and the other thing, I didn't think that it was important to say the actual M to the square of this, that, and other thing. So at any rate, over that seven-year period, the increase in the left ventricle of the heart was big enough to lead to a two times increase in heart disease, stroke, and all-cause mortality. So from the age of 17 to the age of 24, the average child of these 766, their left ventricle increased, the mass of it increased so much that it increased their risk times two, multiplied times two, of heart disease, stroke, and all-cause mortality. So here's how much they were sitting, if you will. At age 11, and remind you that this was, at, this was in 2002, which, was, which is 20 years ago. Now our sedentary lives are more exacerbated. So this was 20 years ago. For those of you who don't remember, which was kind of before smartphones, actually it was really before smartphones. Smartphones, I don't think it really came out until maybe 2004, 2005. I graduated in 2003. I know, I think I still had a pager at that time. And if you don't know what a pager is, then now you understand that how different society was at this time. So in 2002, an 11-year-old at that time was sedentary for about six hours. And then by the time they got to 15, they were sedentary for about eight hours. And then by the time they got to 24, they were, they were sedentary for about nine hours. 
So they increased their sedentariness. In other words, they increased their sitting between the ages of 11 and 24 by almost three hours, which is pretty significant. So six hours at age 11, at age 15, they were at almost eight hours. And then at age 24, they were, they were at almost nine hours. So this study only measured the development between the ages of 17 and 24. They didn't even measure the development between the ages of 11 and 17. So we have no clue what the implications of that were and how that time frame impacted the left ventricle from the ages of 11 to 17. We only know from 17 to 24. And that development alone was enough to double the likelihood of heart disease, stroke, and all-cause mortality in a 24-year-old. In a 24-year-old. Now, here's why this is important. I have referenced that smoking is the new... Nope, that's not what I referenced at all. Sitting is the new smoking. <laughs> I have referenced and said previously that sitting is the new smoking. As a matter of fact, there may be a there may be an episode called Sitting is the New Smoking. I it may have been in like January or February. I can't remember exactly. I know we did a movement episode, and that's when I made at least the first reference to this idea. Here's why. The other behaviors that have the same impact on the left ventricle of the heart, which is associated with an increased risk of heart disease, stroke, and all-cause mortality, that's just naming three things. There are other increased risks as well. The other behaviors include chronic hypertension, alcoholism, and smoking. Chronic hypertension, alcoholism, and smoking. So the reason that sitting, and, and okay, you have to understand, I'm not saying that sitting is terrible. I'm sitting right now. I sit often. I sit regularly. When, when I say, or anybody else who says sitting is something that we need to fight, it's not to say that it's something that we shouldn't do. It's to say it's something that we need to move we need to move more movement into our lives. We need to put more movement into our lives. We need to build more movement into our lives is what needs to happen. And the reason is this. This is exactly why. Because smoking, we can point to something. We can point at a cigarette and we can go, that thing is causing our hearts to fail. We can point at alcohol and go, that thing is causing our hearts to fail. Now, we can't point at chronic hypertension but we can point at those two things. And so we have something to go, that's the bad thing. That, that cigarette, that thing right there is the bad thing. When it comes to sitting, everybody sits. Everybody sits. Like I said, the average person sits eight to 10 hours a day. That's a lot. And because of that, we go, well, everybody's doing it. Why, why is it so bad? How could it be the new smoking? It is the new smoking because, and, I, and, and here's where I'm going to say, it is worse than smoking. Not because, not because, I'm, I'm, you know what, I'm not even going to say that. <laughs> I was going to say not, not the health, direct health outcomes, but that's not even true. Like, it's equally as, if not worse than smoking, 
if you sit on average eight to 10 hours a day, every day of your life, it is going to lead to similar, if not worse health outcomes because with smoking, I don't want to say you just get lung cancer because there's plenty of other cancers that can develop, but like generally speaking, you know, it's going to be cardiovascular in nature with sitting. There's a whole lot of things that are going to be, that are going to develop, which we're, we're already seeing. We, we have seen. And so that's why sitting is so detrimental to our health. That's why sitting is so challenging to our health. And that's why also why we have a hard time understanding why it's so, what's so bad about it? What's so bad about it? It's everyone else is doing it. Everyone else is sitting. Why is that? Why is that such a bad thing? We have morphed into this. We have literally regressed into this sitting posture. If you look at, and you can, you can go search on whatever search web search thing you want to search on. And, uh, why are you laughing at me? Google. Thank you. She's helping me, my brain work. You can go search your Google machine and you can find the evolution of a human. What, one of the funny things you'll find, which is true is a monkey to a more upright monkey to a human, to an upright human, to a kind of hunched over human, to a human sitting in a chair. That's what you'll find is something like that. We're literally regressing is what's happening. Like that's what we're developing into because of our posture that we're sitting in. We are morphing into a chair is what's happening. But we have to deal with the physical and physiological ramifications. A chair just, it's just a chair. Anyway, I was going into a joke there, but I didn't really know where to take it. I didn't <laughs> so the other lifestyle behaviors, chronic hypertension, alcoholism, and smoking that have the same ramifications as sitting does, as this study found with these 24-year-olds. So sitting at such a young age is impacting the development of the heart. And I want to be fair about this argument, and I want to, because I'm sure there's people watching right now that have some basis in understanding of exercise and exercise development. So I'm going to go ahead and be fair about the argument and also clarify why this distinction is important. The other thing that brings about left ventricle mass development is exercise. Exercise also increases the mass of the left ventricle. So the question is, how can sitting, smoking, alcoholism, and chronic hypertension increase the mass and be associated with increased risk of heart disease, stroke, and all-cause mortality. But exercise can also do the same thing, increase the mass of the left ventricle, but it is associated, associated, associated with a decreased risk of heart disease, stroke, and all-cause mortality. And again, without getting into the weeds of it, because I understand at a very high level, so 
I'm going to help you understand at a high level as well. The difference is the functionality of the mass that is developed. With exercise-induced left ventricle mass development, what's happening is a functional remodeling of the tissue. In other words, it's growing and adapting to the tissue, just like a muscle. Whenever you stress a muscle, you do enough bicep curls, eventually that bicep will grow and it will adapt. And what's happening is it's becoming more functional. It's becoming more useful. It's becoming stronger. And so you can actually use it. And that's what's happening with exercise-induced left ventricle mass development. It's becoming more functional. It is becoming useful to you so that you can then use it and you can keep up the exercise level that you're moving toward. When it comes to pathological development, in other words, development that is that comes from disease, it's because of cell death, essentially. Cells die, and that tissue then is made into something that is stiffer. The walls become stiffer, the ventricle becomes stiffer, the tissue overall becomes stiffer, and it becomes less functional and less useful. It becomes harder to pump through, and so that's how that distinction is important. That's why that distinction is important. So when it comes to disease, you're, you're actually killing the tissue, whether that's sitting, whether that's smoking, whether that's alcoholism, whether that's chronic hypertension, uh, chronic hypertension, you're killing the tissue and that's making the ventricle become stiffer. Whereas on the other side of it, when you exercise, it is remodeling, it is growing, it is becoming more functional, it is becoming stronger, just like a bicep would, just like a quad muscle would, just like your glutes would, just like anything else. It's becoming more useful and therefore more resilient. And that's what's happening. So when it comes to that, when it comes to the difference between the two, there is a gigantic difference. It is, they're both, they both look the same from the outside, but they both are very different from the inside and they develop in very different ways. Now, another argument that might come up is, well, what about all these runners, all these runners, like it's tons of them, but it's a decent amount that die essentially, or have heart attacks or strokes while they're running, while they're exercising, which is another important point and another important distinction. So long duration exercise, again, is a different category of exercise of itself. And most of the people who have issues with heart heart structures because of long duration exercise are people who are running marathons regularly and running long distances regularly, meaning probably more than 10 miles a day at, at least five, five days a week, if not more. Most of those people have done that for years and years and years. And the failure is usually in the right ventricle and not the left ventricle. The left ventricle, if you look at a runner, is thick. And like I said, it's thicker because it's more functional and it has to pump more blood whenever the runner is running. The right ventricle, on the other hand, is more susceptible to failure. And that's the one typically, on average, that runners and long-distance cyclers and things like that have issues with, is the right ventricle. But I can tell you, and I can assure you of this, that you are not one of those people. And I don't say that to shame you because I am not one of those people either. And I do not want to be one of those people. And I assume you don't want to be one of those people. Maybe you do. I don't know. Um, 
And I say that only because like that is the extreme of the, not the extreme of the extreme, but that's maybe 3% of society, maybe 5% at most of society that's at risk of having that happen. Like I said, that's people who's going out and grinding 10 miles a day at least and doing that five days, if not more a week and doing that over a long period of time, not months. So at any rate, I thought that those last two distinctions were important because they're real, they're very real, and they're worth bringing up. But it's also worth realizing at the same time, the purpose of this, going back to the very beginning of this episode, fact or fiction, is it a fact or fiction that sitting is killing your kids and you, it is a fact that it's happening. And so it is up to us as individuals to start to overturn that. It is up to each one of us and up to you as a parent to help your child to start to overturn that. Now, hopefully they're learning that somewhere else also, but you have to understand your child is watching you and watching how you act. Again, I don't have children, so please take this with the tiniest grain of salt that you should, but nonetheless, they're watching how you act. And so if you're sitting around a lot, they're going to sit around a lot too, because they're going to think that that's normal. So it is up to us as individuals to guide ourselves and therefore then guide the next generation of people so that they can be strong and resilient as they grow as well. And then also make sure that you share this with their friends so they can be strong and resilient also, and so that their hearts cannot become overly massified. It's a word. Um, make, sure you hit the, make sure you hit the subscribe button. And until next time, my friends, here's to your success and health and fitness mastery.